are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. seen these words delivered by Jesus. The first word was a word of forgiveness. Remember that last Sunday. And then on Thursday, we tackled a word of salvation. We see the word of relationship and then a word of abandonment. So today we're going to attempt to do the final three words. And I want you to just remember kind of what has been going on in the life of Jesus for six hours. Someone say six hours. Six hours he has been beaten, ridiculed, spit upon, mocked. Um, for six hours, the Roman soldiers would slap him. They would actually they said they would blindfold him and take turns slapping and punching him in the face. For six hours, he endured this excruciating pain and is now at the end of his life there on earth. And Jesus delivers to you and I seven powerful words or seven powerful statements that we can apply to our lives today. And I want to kick off today with talking about the fifth word that Jesus spoke. It's found in John chapter 19, verse 28. And I just want to let you know that we'll spend a little more time on uh, one of the words than we will the other ones just because of time's sake and I just believe that, that God wants to zero in on one word more than the other, and so uh, it just doesn't give me enough time to break down each word. We need a, a whole service for that, but uh, we're going to do our best to get through these three. How many think we can get through them? Come on now. I'll get you in time to beat the Baptist to the buffet, okay? John chapter 19, verse 28, 29, you'll see it on the screen. It says this, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill the scripture, he said, what did he say? I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. The fifth word that Jesus spoke on the cross is a word of distress. Can we say that together? A word of distress. One more time. A word of distress. This he spoke out of his humanity. Um, This probably would be the easiest out of the seven words for us to relate to. Because the reality is we all know what it's like to have human distress of many kinds. Maybe hunger, maybe sickness, maybe crying, maybe pain, maybe loneliness, maybe fear, maybe depression, disappointment, and so much more. But Jesus, on this fifth word, was trying to tell us something just a little more than just physical distress. It had a deeper meaning. It had a spiritual meaning. Someone say it had a spiritual meaning. Remember that Jesus had just spoken the word. Right before this, the fourth word was a word of abandonment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We 
found out on Thursday that there had to be a separation from the Son of God and God the Father. There had to be this separation where where there was abandonment on the part of Jesus for you and I's sin. And so we, we know that he, that was his fourth word, and now we see this word of distress. And although he did say he was thirsty, we do know that there is a deeper spiritual meaning. Remember, he had felt this abandonment by the Father, so on the spiritual level, he was thirsty for a return of the living water of God's presence. Jesus is not just speaking of natural water here. I am thirsty, but he's speaking of, I am thirsty for the presence of God. I've been separated, and we don't know how long that separation was, but it doesn't matter how long it was. Jesus felt distress from the separation. Jesus felt like There was a void. Jesus felt like there was an emptiness. Remember, through all of eternity, from the beginning, he was never separated from the presence of God. But here in this moment, we find him separated. Here in this moment, he cries out with his fifth word, which is a word of distress. Here in this moment, you and I can also relate to this word of distress. Because we too repeatedly find ourselves going through life and longing for more of God. You see, inside each and every one of us, there is a space and a place for the presence of God. Hear me today. This is the word I want you to listen to today. The other two are important, but this one is one I want to just zero in on today. There is a place and a space created in everyone's heart for that presence. And many times you and I are thirsty and sometimes we don't know what for. We don't know why we have this sense of discontentment. We don't know why we, we, we just can't seem to get true fulfillment. And we often mistake the spiritual thirst for the physical or the temporal thirst So what we do is try to fill that space that was only intended for God's presence with temporal and external stuff. Are you hearing me today? Can I preach it how he gave it to me? We we, we try to fill this space with the things that one day will not even matter. That one day will be gone. Our stuff, your stuff, one day will be gone and not matter. But God's presence will be with us forever. And we don't have to wait till we get to heaven to experience the presence of God. He said, you can have days of heaven here on earth. He said, I inhabit the praises of my people. When praise goes up, God's presence comes down. So we we don't have to fill it with the things of this world, but many times we're found. We're found trying to fill this space, this place with something else. We think, if if I can just get a bigger house with more square footage, that's going to fill it, right? If I just get that car, 
I, I, I want that car, then that's going to fill it. If I get more money, then that's going to fill it. If, if I get more friends, then that's going to fill it. If I move, I know what I need. I need to get out of Kokomo and move. All right? Then I'll fill it. Huh? I, I need to get away from here. If, if I do good, to, good things to others, then I'll fill it. If I go on vacation, then I'll definitely fill it. Well, you'll fill a few things on vacation. Your debt and your calories will fill up. Just ask me. Yeah, you, you'll fill something up. But, but, but you see, see, we're searching in all the wrong places. Because none of these things will be the thirst quencher for our hearts and our spirits. You see, Gatorades has a saying for years that they're the thirst quencher. I'm here to tell you that God's presence is the only thing that can quench your thirst. And you're searching for it in all the wrong places. Huh? You're thirsty for more of God. Sometimes you don't know it. This is the reason that here at Fuel Church we do our best each and every week to create worship experiences where you can encounter the presence of God. And let me just tell you, that doesn't just happen because we show up. It happens because of preparation. It happens because of prayerful people. It happens because meetings are going on and practices are going on. Yeah. In the old time church, they would just say, we're just going to show up and let the spirit move. Really? That's going to be chaos and confusion most of the times. See, because my Bible says the Holy Spirit moves through structure. Some of you don't want to hear this. It's okay. If we see in the upper room, the Bible says that when they were all together in one accord, then the spirit fell. There was a time of preparation. There was a time of preparation. There were some things that had to take place in order for the spirit of God to fall. There, there were some things that happened, and the Bible says that in Ezekiel, that, 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 that there was a valley of dry bones, and Ezekiel said, said to God, God, can these bones live? And, and God told Ezekiel, only you know. And the Bible says that Ezekiel began to speak to the dry bones and command them to live. And the Bible says that the bones began to lock into the bones and the flesh and the sinew and all the parts came together. And the last thing it says that the breath of God was breathed into that body. The Holy Spirit always flows through structure. You see, what you just came out of, what we just came out of was a worship time where God's presence was here. And some of you felt it like you've never felt it before. That's the presence of God. That's why we exist here on Sundays, so that you can come in and you can experience the presence of God. Some of you didn't even know what you were feeling, but that's called the presence of God. It's a crazy thing in the Bible that Jesus always works and fills vessels that come to him. If you look in the Bible, you see all these stories and, and Jesus is saying, hey, bring me some vessels. Uh, the first miracle, water into wine, he said, just bring me some vessels and I'll fill it, right? Bring me some vessels and I'll fill it. The prophet Elijah came to the widow woman and, and she was in distress and, and here she was and, and she had a debt that she could not pay and, and he says, what do you have in your house? And she said, all I have is a little bit of oil, just a little bit of oil, just a little bit of oil. 
I said just a little bit of oil. God's in the business of taking a little bit of oil and turning it into much. He, and and, and what, what he said, the instructions were, go and borrow vessels from all your neighbors. Go and borrow vessels. Go and bring me vessels. And the Bible declares that as she brought the vessels, the vessels filled up. As you bring your vessel to God's house, he's going to fill you up every time. He's going to touch the dry, parched ground of your life and your spirit. As you bring a willing vessel to God, get ready for his presence to fill you up. Get ready to encounter the presence of God in your life like never before. Get ready for it. It's coming. The disciples like Jesus, we got to feed 20, 30,000 here. And he says, bring me what you have. Well, all we got is a little lunchable. With the Oreos and the Caprisons. Come on, somebody. That's all we got, Jesus. Bring me what you have. Bring me what you have. Bring me what you have. What do you have today? What do you have today to bring to God? You're here. You brought yourself to God. You brought what you had, right? Some of you brought your worship. Amen. Some of you aren't there yet, but you're getting there. You're realizing that this is more than just about watching the band and seeing the cool lights. And come on now. Bring what you have. Bring what you have. And the Bible says, as they brought what they had, that the fish and the loaves begin to multiply. The fish and the loaves begin to multiply. As you bring to God what you have, he's going to multiply his presence in your life like never before. What you're searching for is his presence. I'm telling you. You thought it was the promotion that would bring fulfillment and satisfaction. You thought it was the new title that you were getting, the new position. You thought that was it, man. If I can just get to there, I know I'll be something and I'll feel like I'm something in life, but that's not it. That's not it. I praise God for your promotion. I praise God for your raise. I praise God for your new house and your new car. God wants us to be blessed and to have things. He just just doesn't want things to have us. Praise God for all that, but that's not going to bring true fulfillment like you think it is. Some of you got to get rid of that thinking. It's the presence of God that you're searching for. It's the presence of God. You can't put a price on the presence of God. When he comes in, he comes in and he changes and rearranges your life. That's why it's so important for you to be faithful to God's house, because you never know when his presence is going to come and speak to you. You never know when a song is saying that speaks to your heart and encourages you and lifts you out of that discouragement. You never know when a word comes forth that is directed exactly at you. You never know when God is going to speak. That's why you got to be faithful to the house of God. You can hit your neighbor and say, this is good. I needed this, even though you're acting like you don't. The only thirst quencher is the presence of God. There was a woman who came to a well. I don't know if you remember the story, but she was sitting at a well and Jesus came by and had an encounter with this woman. And this woman was coming to draw water from the well. And we know that this woman was searching for something far greater than water. You see, this woman had tried to fill that area, that void, that space. She had tried to fill it with a relationship, with one man after another. She had tried to fill it with all the temporal things that this world could offer. But here she is found sitting at the well, 
Here she is found searching for something to quench her thirst. She sits at the well with the well. She's found, some of you get it later. She is found at the well with the well and she encounters the living water of God. And to her surprise, her eyes are open. The scales fall from her eyes as Jesus, who was also a prophet, begins to tell her basically, you've had four or five husbands and you're shacking up with the last one right now. And she's like, oh, snap, you a prophet. (laughs) Here she is sitting there having a conversation with the living water. Here she is. She's tried to fill that place and that space with relationships and things. And she, she had all these guys throwing gifts at her, you know, Gucci shoes one week, range on 20s the next week. Come on, somebody, work with me. <laughs> Christmas was awesome for her. Multiple gifts because she had a different man every Christmas. Some of you know what that's like. We're praying for you. And... Uh, Here she was, but the void was still there. And Jesus said, honey, you're searching at all the wrong places. You're you're searching at all the wrong places. He actually tells her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Hmm? Do you know when you get to that position in your company, you're going to still be thirsty? And you know what you do when you, 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 you put your position in your job? as the supreme destination and the supreme place in your life, you get to that spot and then it's never enough and you're still thirsty. And so what you do, you just keep stepping up and usually end up stepping on people to get to that spot that you think will bring true fulfillment. I didn't mean to talk to you, but we're here. So let's have a conversation. You'll still be thirsty. She, he says, he says this, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. Someone say, never thirst. thirst. What was she doing? She was drinking from the wrong well. She was drinking from the wrong well. She was going for water in all the wrong places. See, there's a spiritual need in each of us that longs for the presence of God. Have you ever been away from his presence for a moment and then you put a worship song on and you're like, my God, I miss this. Been there. The times in my life where my prayer life wasn't as strong and all of a sudden I feel this dryness and this longing for something and sometimes I just think it's a large pepperoni and mushroom pizza I want. I do want that. I had that on Friday. It was great. but, But then I realize I haven't been in his presence like I should be. And I'll click on the worship or I'll find some time just to have with me and God. And there it is. That, that's it. That, that's it. When we're singing that song today, I said, that's it. The old rugged cross. That's what I needed today. That's what I needed. That's what Jacob needed today was that song that ministered to my soul. That, that's what it was. But sometimes... We go to the wrong wells and we try drinking from the wrong wells in our life. And it could be a, a, the well of a re- wrong relationship, trying to put someone else in the place of God, trying to put someone else higher than God. Do you know that your relationships will not work until God is number one? 
But we try to, we put our spouses, we put our kids sometimes before we put God, and it's out of order. We're drinking from the wrong well. We try to put a level of accomplishment or success. You got there, but you're still not satisfied. We put a title or a position, but only Jesus Christ is the true source of satisfaction. You're drinking from the wrong well. Well, how do I start drinking from the right well? Well, for once in your life, you're going to say, God, I'm going to put you first in every area of my life. I'm not just going to come to church and play church. I'm going to be the church. You know, the church is not a building. We are the church. Wherever we go, the church goes. And so for once in my life, I'm going to put you first. I'm not just going to hear messages about putting you first. I'm just not going to hear songs about putting you first. I'm going to make a decision today to stop drinking from the wrong well, and I'm going to put you first in my life. Everything changes once the order of priority is set up. Maybe today you're saying, I'm going to leave religion and start a relationship with Christ for the first time in my life. It's just been a religion to me to go to church. I check it out off my little spiritual checklist and I went to church. I'm good for the next six days. I'll come back on that next Sunday. But you're going to take it from a religion to a daily relationship. You're going to start to encounter who Jesus is and what he's got for your life. You're going to start a devotion life and a prayer life and you're going to see more of who God is. And you're going to be strengthened through that relationship. Amen. Maybe for somebody, it's, you know, this is all new to me, and I know people are getting excited during the songs, and some people are lifting their hands, and some people are crying and singing, but this is new to me. Maybe you're going to take a step, and you're going to say, man, I, I, I want to encounter his presence like that. I'm going to start to lift my hands. It's a little awkward for me. It's as new. I've never been in church, but I'm just going to lift my hands and surrender. I'm going to sing the words to these songs because they have power. They have power, and these words encourage my soul. Amen? I don't know what it is for you, but God is always looking for a vessel, and when he finds a vessel, he'll fill that vessel. A word of distress, you're searching for the presence of God. You're searching for it. It's what your heart and soul is longing for. It's what Jesus was longing for in his fifth word as he was separated from the Father. Lord, have mercy. I, we're going to fly past these next two words. Are you ready? Was that first word what somebody needed? I believe the Holy Spirit when I was studying this week. You do know I study, right? I'm not playing golf and going out to Don Poncho's every day. Yeah, I, I get a word from God. I'm in his face for you. I want you to know that. I, I don't take this lightly. This is such an honor and a privilege and a huge, huge responsibility to deliver God's word every week. You're welcome. John chapter 19, verse 30. Let's, let's fly by these last two words. They're powerful. Time just doesn't allow us. It says, when Jesus had tasted it, he said what? He said what? Then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. A word of triumph is the sixth word. A word of triumph. Can we say that together? A word of triumph. It is finished. It's the Greek word, testalita. Probably messed that up, Brother Bossom, but it's the Greek word. And what it means is done. Someone say done. done. Someone say done. done. Jesus said, It is finished. It's 
done. Yes, his suffering on the cross was finished, but that's not all that was finished. Let's look exactly what was finished. Few things. Jesus' mission to win redemption for sinners was finished. That's you and I. That's us. Someone say, that's me. The Passover lamb had been slain once and for all. He had completed the sacrifice necessary to atone for sins of the world. Next thing that was finished was the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah's earthly coming were finished. Jesus had fulfilled the predictions perfectly. The next thing, the Old Testament law was finished in the sense that its inner meaning was fulfilled in the grace that Jesus established for us at the cross. Did you hear that? The law was finished. The priesthood and its sacrifices, along with the whole system of symbol, symbolism, um, symbolism rather, represented in temple-based worship, was finished. Was finished. The mastery, I like this part, the mastery of the devil was finished. He had finally crushed the serpent's head and rendered him powerless, giving Jesus all power and authority. You know what else was finished? You know what else was finished? Your hopelessness in mind about our ability to triumph over our shortcomings and the stresses of this temporary life were finished. They were finished. They were finished. Now we share in the victory through faith. It is finished. It is done. So when you and I are feeling defeated, when shame and condemnation come, we need to remember that It is well because of Jesus' triumph in ending the power of sin, death, and the devil. It is finished. The next time the devil brings up your past, all you got to say is, it is. Come on. Come on. It is finished. It's done. It's done because of the cross. He reminds you of your past. You need to remind him of his future. The lake that bakes, baby eternal fire and pain forever for the devil. It is finished. It's done. It's done. Okay, next word. Next word. So we've seen a word of distress, a word of triumph. Last word. Come on, worship team. Luke chapter 26, verse 46. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. A word of reunion. Say that together. A word of Reunion. Scripture says that Jesus knew he had come from God and that he was returning to God. And after six long hours, time had come for him to be reunited with the Father. Time had come for him to go to prepare a place for you and I. That where he is, we also will be one day. Word of re- reunion. He's back now in the presence of his heavenly father after he takes his last breath upon that cross. He said, I got to go to prepare heaven for you. Very interesting that as I was studying this out, usually when people were crucified, they died silently. There's hardly any people that would talk during their crucifixion. The reason being, they become so exhausted that they lost the ability to raise themselves up and take a breath, much less speak. Can imagine the pain. How could I get a word out? 
How, how could I say anything? But Jesus was found speaking loudly and boldly. His last few minutes on earth gave us these seven words. Seven words that we can apply to our lives today. Seven words that ring true. A word of forgiveness, a word of salvation, a word of relationship, a word of abandonment, a word of distress, a word of triumph, and a word of reunion. Because one day, we too will be reunited with him. If our faith is in Christ, we'll be reunited with him. Face to face. Face to face, we'll be there. He, he's, he's preparing a place for us. He's preparing your mansion. Have you told him how you wanted it? He, he's preparing a place that one day we too will go. These seven last words are words that we can cling to not only during this season of resurrection but every day of our lives that we can remember that our God will never leave us nor forsake us. I say it like this. Jesus went up and the Holy Spirit came down. When Jesus said, I'm being reunited with my Father, he said, I'm not leaving you alone or comfortless, the Bible says. I'm not leaving you alone. I'm sending my Holy Spirit now to dwell within you, to be with you, to lead you, and to guide you. He said, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is going to dwell in you. How powerful that is for us today. Stand with me. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. In Jesus' name. It's simple as that. And I encourage you, find a good local church. If, if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.